This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Monday Morning Break with me, Kanduk Kutik. In today's show, we'll be talking about reading, in particular graphic novels, and we're going to explore how graphic novels can help develop our students' interest in reading. Do stay with us. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And hello there, everybody. So, our conversation today is about graphic novels. And my guest today is Laura McWilliams, an EFL teacher with lots of experience working with teens and young learners. And Laura has also... And Laura has also done quite a lot of work on graphic novels. So she is really the best person to have this conversation with today. And while Laura is trying to join us here online, um, I'd like to talk to you about graphic novels. What's been your experience with graphic novels? Do you have any um, that you enjoy reading? What, what do you think about when somebody says, hey, we're, you know, we're, doing, we're reading graphic novels today? Um, hi, Lakshmi from Bangalore, India. If you want, you can join us um, in the text, in the chat. Um, do you, if you're a teacher, do you read graphic novels with your learners? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I want to share with you the first thing that came to my mind when I heard about graphic novels. I actually thought it was something that was, you know, age suitable only for age 16 and above just because of the word graphic that's what i thought about when i heard graphic novels um i see hb history is here with us you do graphic novels um in your own teaching any you know our students read a lot of texts right um texts lots of text-based work not a lot of pictures do you encourage your students to read graphic novels? So I've got lots of guests here. Yeah, you use Lakshmi says, um, Lakshmi uses graphic novels uh, in their class. Um, what do you do with them? And, and how do you just get your students to read them? Do you read them as, as a class? Um, share with us, please, um, those of you here, um, your experience with graphic novels in your classroom. Um, tell us how you use them while we are waiting for our guests. Um, let me just, you know, kind of find out, send a call for help out to my guests. Lakshmi, how do you use graphic novels in your classes? What subject do you teach? What kind of graphic novels do you 
use with your students. I remember, you see, um, for those of you who've been with me now for a couple of shows, you will know that my son is in elementary school. He's in grade school. And um, we recently had a conversation in his class. The teachers were saying that Laura has come into the room. Excellent. So Laura, just look for the call-in button and I'll just finish my story here. So my son's class, we had um, our annual parent-teacher meeting. We had our annual parent and teacher meeting in class. And um, some of the parents, well, first of all, the teachers were reporting that they felt that the students, that the children weren't reading enough, right? And one mother actually asked, she said that, well, her son doesn't like um, chapter books. And she had asked if it was a problem that he was only reading what we call here in Germany comics. My son also complains. He says that there are no interesting books um, in his school library. He says he can't find anything to read in the school library. Whereas when we went into our local city library, um, he would head straight you know, to the section where you had the comics and the graphic novels. So that's a bit, you know, and the teachers weren't sure what to make of it. I felt as long as he's reading, that's okay, gets him into it. But here we go. Um, that's from me. Um, I have Laura, as I was saying, Laura's um, done quite a bit of work on graphic novels. So she's actually the best person, the best conversation partner with me today. Laura, it's good to have you on the show. And I'm really excited to be speaking about Thank you so much for the invitation. In... Ooh, um, I can hear you really well. Can you hear me really good? Really it's well. a really good connection. Yeah. Good. No hoovering in the background then. Excellent. So, <laughs> Laura, first, tell us about yourself. What's your teaching background and context? Um, so I currently work in the Middle East and North Africa. I'm based in Cairo. Uh, and I'm an academic manager for a very substantial uh, young learner program with a big EFL organization. But mm -hmm. I've previously worked in France and in Italy and in the UK as well. Okay. Um, that's excellent then. And I know that you've done um, quite a bit of work on graphic novels. Um, so, Laura, first of all, right... Um, before you came onto the show, I was saying when I first heard the phrase, the term graphic novel, I thought, hmm, something, you know, age 18 and above. So can you tell us exactly what would count as a graphic novel? What is a graphic novel? That's such an important point, um, because I also heard you say, you know, in Germany, they get referred to as comics. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think that the terminology we use, normally it shouldn't matter, but with this it does because of the perception that so many people have about things that get called comics. You know, the mm. perception is that they're not serious. The perception is that they're for kids, um, yeah. you know, that there's no educational merit. So this is why I do advocate 
for us to use the term graphic novels a bit more because it affects the perception and I'm thinking especially comes but also sometimes school administrators and curriculum designers because it does make them sound more serious I mean essentially when we're talking graphic novels we're talking mm -hmm. any kind of text where the interplay between the visual and the text is so critical and we're very much looking at things where it's panel based usually um okay so you know that that's not always the case but very very often the kind of the the expectation is you're looking at that kind of panel based storytelling mm -hmm. um which itself is a very fun thing to explore with learners um yeah now comics it's... more properly are probably like a subset of that um mm -hmm. You know, comics we tend to associate with the the serialized format. Yeah, more. Donald Duck in Germany, very <laughs> popular. But also, I'm thinking, you know, the superhero kind of comics that you know that come out monthly or weekly. Um, right. You know, we do associate that with the term comic um, a bit more as well. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. Um, what you've just said there, and and um, we've got a guest who's just shared. Um, someone from Birmingham, Gaurav Gaurav, um, from Birmingham says um, the term graphic novel. If I've interpreted your comment correctly, his um, Gaurav says it's most definitely has educational merit. Graphic novels. Um, it's quite interesting. Um, what I find interesting personally is my son. He he gets very perturbed because he for him he knows the distinction between comic and graphic novels, and he always says to me when we go into the library and he borrows a book, right? He 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 gets out a graphic novel, and um, we they have on the book spine, you know, what category it belongs to, like fiction, nonfiction, and for the graphic novels that he's he's taken out on the spine, it says comic, and he he just says he says, "Mummy, but that's not a comic." So he knows, you know, the distinction between the two. Um, I have a question for you. It's something I've wondered. Is a graphic novel or would a graphic novel always be um, adapted from a chapter no. from a novel? No, 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 no. Um, there's, there's a, a huge wealth of original graphic novels out there um, that are just fantastic. It's a storytelling format in its own right. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, it sometimes goes the other way. There are graphic novels that have been adapted into chapter books um, and oh. there are graphic novels that um, get adapted into film or TV series as well. So the, you know, the original format could be the graphic novel and it can be adapted out or it could be something that's taken and adapted into the graphic novel format and i okay. think this i think this versatility is one of the things that we should be looking at adapting in our classrooms mm -hmm. because when you have the same story in a variety of formats the exploration of that in the classroom can be so much fun with your learners um in and of itself and then of course you also have the fact that you know the different formats can act as scaffolding so if yeah. you're looking at a, a more challenging text um linguistically so if you're looking at 
Animal Farm, for example, yeah. which is a very challenging text in the original English for an EFL class. Yeah. Having the graphic novel version with the additional scaffolding that provides can make it much more accessible for learners. Mm -hmm. And and I suppose the the visual element, isn't it? I mean, like you say, because if you've got the chapter book, right, the original format, I think learners tend to get stumped um, when they come across phrases or words they don't understand, or they go back over and over to you know to certain part to kind of interpret, kind of um, understand what they've just read. Whereas with the graphic novel, they don't get hung up on uh, at the linguistic level because they have the the pictures to support them. Exactly. It, it's not that the graphic novel is necessarily linguistically easier. Um, mm. In fact, that there's a certain amount of research that shows that linguistically, graphic novels are actually very often more lexically dense than chapter books. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. In actual fact, they can be. They can have, uh, you know, much more lexical density than you know chapter books written for an L1 speaking audience. But your your spot on that visual support is invaluable. You know, you've got the expressions on the character's face, you've got the yep. surrounding, and so much that can you know contribute to mood. Um, you know, in terms of just the weather yeah. or the color usage. You know, all yeah. of that adds richness to meaning and allows for interpretation, which you know makes a big difference. And it's great for boosting the confidence of your more reluctant readers um you oh know, yeah once they yeah. know the story i think we all know it with tv you know if they've seen the film they're more likely yeah. to try reading the book because they have an idea of the story and i think yeah. the same applies with graphic novels it can be a springboard into original texts yeah and i mean it's also that sense of of accomplishment i think um when i see um how my son you know having a couple of years ago when he had just learned to read or or my daughter herself as well and and traditionally right um your generation my generation we grew up we read you know ladybird books and then we move on to those easy in it and chapter books and then you go on to more complex things and here um i did the same with my children you know i read with them and then we went to ladybirds and then i tried to find some in it for them but they were just put off it was just for them it was like my daughter will go into the library open a book look at it and go oh no too many words and she close and put it back on the shelf right but they would just they would savagely go through graphic novels they'd read so quickly and so many she read all the artemis fowls graphic novels mm -hmm. um my daughter did and i think it gives them a sense of accomplishment um, you know, it, it does. It's confidence boosting. It's like I've read a full book. Um, mm. You know, I mean, we call them a novel, then they don't always have to be fiction, but the sense of having read a complete work and managed the whole thing. That's absolutely yeah. invaluable. And it, isn't it strange when you think about it, that the natural progression that we were thinking of is, you know, you do the picture books, and then you do the chapter yeah. books. But what yeah. makes picture books so enticing for children is that visual element. And when you think about many classic children's chapter books, mm -hmm. think about Winnie the Pooh, think about yeah. the Roald Dahl books, especially Matilda, for example, think about mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland. I know for a fact that the picture in your head is the very famous illustrations that go with those books. Yeah, 
They're memorable. It's, they're memorable yeah. and they are part of the appeal of those books. And I don't think the appeal of the visual ever goes away. So graphic novels for, for me are a very natural progression from, you know, picture books, um, children's chapter books with illustrations. It's, it's part of development and it's very natural. And I think pushing it down or perceiving it as just for children is, is really false. Yeah. Or, or, or that people who, 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 you know, young people or, or learners who, who, who go for graphic novels as a first choice, yeah, stigmatizing them and saying, well, you're not doing the right thing. Um, that's also not really nice. But which brings me to what I wanted to ask you that in some circles, Laura, really, um, graphic novels have quite a bad reputation. Is it only because of the mistaken association with comics or is there another reason? Are there other reasons why graphic novels have a bad reputation? Hmm. I, the thing is, a lot of the, there are a lot of graphic novels out there that are not, that are not necessarily classroom appropriate or, you know, age appropriate for younger learners. There are hmm. graphic novels that are very specifically adult in nature. Right. Um, and these are the ones that tend to get a lot of publicity. Mm. Um, I mean, my favorite series of graphic novels of all time um, is one I could not and would not use in a young learner classroom. I'd love to use it with university level students. There's probably okay. a course out there that does. Um, but it, yeah, I wouldn't bring it into the young learner classroom. Um, so it's very much so I think like that, any reading we do. Sorry to interrupt, but it's it's then in in that case it's very much like any other classroom reading we do, isn't it? That you know whether you're looking at novels or poetry or or any other reading material, you have to as a teacher you'd have to look at what you plan to use and make those decisions and not you know lump everything yeah. you know just because let's say I like X Y Z that I would then use X Y Z in all my classes. And I think maybe many teachers um, don't are not that familiar with graphic novels and you know the whole range um, that you have within that genre. Absolutely, and I think as well, graphic novels are quite famous for. There's a lot out there that do it that do explore the more taboo topics mm -hmm. or what we might in the EFL context refer to as parsnips. You know, there there are ones that explore questions around sexuality, questions around identity, drug use, mm -hmm. you know, um, displaced people. That's one of the reasons I love to use them because it mm -hmm. can be a way into those sensitive topics. But again, it's a reason pe others who are less comfortable might be reluctant. Mm. Mm. I, I, I have seen here in Germany, I mean, they're hard to get English language ones in general, because if if you do a search on, on you know, Amazon.de, which is what, which is our platform, um, sorry, didn't mean to, um, to put in content like that. But if you do an online search, or even if I go to a local bookshop, and I look for graphic novels, I get most of the time, um, again, comics, or they're in German you know, trans mm. either um, mainly translated works. Um, however, I find like, I find that there's a whole range you've got. Um, fiction, 
right? You've got lots of fiction, um, graphic novels based on on previous, you know, chapter books and novels. And what I really, really like now also, and I think it's something that I wasn't aware of when when I was younger or growing up, which is um, nonfiction graphic novels dealing with historical themes. And mm. and that just, that just, it's just, wow. It's, uh, I'm just mind blown because there's so much more that you can then introduce you know, if you wanted to encourage your students to read in the EFL classroom or in, you know, the language classroom, language arts classroom in general, you've got a whole range to choose from. And I'm sure yeah. you're more familiar yeah, with mean, that. My, my favorite nonfiction one is probably, it actually, it actually comes in several volumes, but it's March and it's about the um, civil rights movement in America. And that's just fantastic and it's a really great way into that topic mm. there's there's so many biographies and autobiographies in graphic novel format now as well which are brilliant yeah yeah interesting that you mentioned that series um i had a student um a couple of years ago who did as um his for his ma for his m-ed actually his research project he looked at reading in the secondary classroom and because in germany when you learn english as your foreign language your first foreign language in secondary school um you learn not just the language but you learn aspects of culture you know post-colonialism the american dream and all that and this student actually um, went into the classroom over a period of i think three months uh, and he had ev he had the students read um, from that series and then he explored um, his research questions. I think he wanted to look at how much more reading they were doing. He looked at their attitudes towards reading and what information they retained from the reading and he found that um, the retention of information about the topic was a lot greater, was a lot higher than um, in the parallel class that did not um, learn about, you know, the American civil rights movement through the use of graphic novels. So that's, that that's really interesting. I'll, I'll... Yeah, mm -hmm. it does make a lot of sense because it's, it's almost, we know that multi-sensory input supports retention. We, you know, we know this in our teaching and I guess, you know, graphic novels are a form of multi-sensory input because you have the text and the images, it's, it's both visual, but I do think that it, yes, I, I, it does make sense to me that it would support retention. Mm. I mean, it's like you said earlier, right, with, with the examples from Winnie the Pooh and Alice in Wonderland that, you know, what we remember of those stories are those really, you know, the, the, those images that that we had seen in in those novels. We're going to um, take a short break um, to hear from our sponsors and to hear the news of the week. And when we get back, Laura, I'd like to talk with you about um, the skills students bring in and the skills they use when reading, when working with graphic novels, and then also to hear from you what teachers can do to you know, work with graphic novels in the classroom. But first, let's listen to our sponsors. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. 
visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course <coughs> sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit EatonX.com to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The mother of murdered schoolgirl Brianna Jai has spoken about the need for positive change and a lasting legacy for her daughter. Mrs Jai visited Westminster as part of her campaign for mindfulness to be taught in all schools in England. She commented on her Peace and Mind UK Facebook page that her focus would be to improve lives by empowering people, giving them the tools to build mental resilience, empathy and self-compassion through mindfulness. She went on to say that she hoped to create more understanding for everyone. Mrs Jai has already raised thousands of pounds to deliver mindfulness training in schools in her local area. The Department for Education has said there were no plans to introduce mindfulness, but the RSHE curriculum included a strong focus on mental health and that all schools had been offered grants to train a senior mental health lead by 2025. Mrs Jai has also spoken about the idea for a phone for under 16s to limit access to social media apps. The Children's Commissioner, Dame Rachel D'Souza, told the BBC that she supported the ideas and said more could be done to promote phones that are safe by design. She described Mrs Jai's vision as really smart, but questioned whether the likes of Google and Apple would create phones with access that is safe by design. PM Rishi Sunak has stated that the new Online Safety Act is robust, but parents told the BBC how difficult it is to take away a smartphone from a child who already has one, whilst others described the pressure from social media as relentless. In Wales, the cap on university tuition fees is rising from £9,000 to £9,250 a year from September. Education Minister Jeremy Miles says he recognises students will be disappointed. A report on the BBC News website says loans will also go up to cover the 2.8% increase, which will affect undergraduate students studying in Wales whose home address is in Wales. Those with a home address in Wales but who study in other parts of the UK are unaffected because they already pay the £9,250 for their studies. Mr Miles blames sustained inflationary pressure on high education providers in Wales and that the increase was unavoidable, but would help to safeguard provision and investment. The Guardian reported on school finances with an article on findings that almost half of multi-academy trusts in England were in deficit last year. The report by the accountancy network Creston UK 
was based on studying the accounts of 279 trusts, representing over 2,300 schools. It found 47% were running in-year deficits. Rising energy bills and staffing costs were blamed by many and made worse by uncertainty around income streams. School leaders say that schools are constantly asked to do more with less. Last October, the Department for Education in England admitted to making a £370 million error, meaning mainstream primary and secondary schools will be given at least £50 less for each pupil than original forecasting predicted. This forced school leaders to redraw their budgets for 2024 to 25. With energy costs still high and a recruitment and retention crisis leading to an increased use of agency staff, mean that many school leaders are facing further pressure on budgets and many expect a deficit trend to continue. More than 100 school buildings containing dangerous concrete will be rebuilt or refurbished, according to a report on the BBC. The government says all affected schools will receive funding to permanently remove the dangerous concrete known as RAC. Unions say the announcement includes no new money. The 234 schools affected in England have reportedly returned to face-to-face -face learning, but many children are still being taught in marquees, portable classrooms or in other off-site locations. Some pupils have not been able to access specialist classrooms for design and technology, as well as science labs and other specialist spaces. The government has been criticised for not making changes to exams for those affected. Finally, a jury in the United States of America has held the mother of a 15-year-old mass shooter criminally responsible for the death of four high school students in 2021. The 15-year-old himself was sentenced to life without parole in December, but at the start of February the male's mother was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter, the first time a parent has been convicted of such charges due to their child's role in a mass shooting. The case has raised questions about the accountability of parents. Although the youth's parents had gifted him the weapon days before the attack. Prosecutors also argued that parents had not paid enough attention to their son's declining mental health. US law generally only holds individuals responsible for their own actions, but this case appears to present some change. The schools where the shooting took place has also faced criticism for not acting swiftly when drawings of guns were found on the mail earlier in the day of the shooting. Whatever the outcome of the sentencing, the case appears to be reinvigorating debate around the issue of parental responsibility, alongside individual culpability. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Okay, so welcome back. We have just been talking about um, the types of graphic novels. What um, we started with a kind of a definition, or you know, clarifying what a graphic novel is, contrasting it to comics, and I'd like to pick up what you had said, Laura, that graphic novels is actually a story storytelling format in another way. So let's talk about the skills that our readers bring with them and the skills they develop as they work through graphic novels in their language arts classroom. Over to you. Okay, well, here's an interesting fact for you then. Did you know that an experienced reader of graphic novels 
literally reads them differently. Um, and by this, I mean the way they physically look at the page is different. Um, there was an experiment done by, uh, I can't remember the names, Mayer and Jimenez, I think, that okay. used eye tracking software to, uh -huh. to look at how people physically read a graphic novel. And what that showed was that the more experienced readers, people who read graphic novels frequently, um, they read it differently in that they sweep a page. So they're not necessarily, you know, it's it's um they they're doing it multiple right. times they don't they, go they left don't to necessarily right and or right to left depending on language exactly so true, true. you know okay. um so that and they're doing it multiple times so they're really exploiting um what we call the picture text hybridity they're taking the text mm -hmm. fully together which i think is fascinating that you know you can progress to that stage of taking it in is that what makes them faster readers? Ooh, that's a good question. I Because don't know, but I, I think so. Yeah. At one what, go. I, what I do think is it has a lot of validity beyond the graphic novel as well. If you look mm -hmm. at so many forms of media nowadays, you know, picture text hybridity is actually yeah. critical. Um You know, if you look at the amount of reading that we do online now um, and yeah. the amount of reading that we do in combination with video. So take yeah. TikTok, for example. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a huge TikTok fan, not always classroom appropriate. Yeah, I am. We can talk about that <laughs> at some point if you like. Um, <laughs> but TikTok has huge potential for storytelling as well. Um, mm -hmm. There's actually a whole, they, they call it sides in TikTok, you know, like little okay. niche communities that do storytelling via short videos. And what they do is they take stills or short clips from existing media. Um, I'm very into the Marvel universe and there's there's a whole community that does this with that retells their own versions of the Marvel stories. And they okay. take the short clips and they re you know they reconnect them, they put together them together in different orders to tell new stories with mm -hmm. text over the top. So you're taking in these stills and the text at the same time again. You've yeah. got that form of interdependency. Um, which yeah. is absolutely fascinating. So you see that in TikTok, you see that in Instagram stories, Facebook right. reels. But, you know, generally so much reading we do is online now and it is multimodal. So mm. graphic novels are a way of building those literacies for yeah, our learners. Yeah. yeah. And that multimodality um, with image and text, that's not new. When I think about, you know, health information leaflets, public service leaflets, right or or instructions from you know diy furniture it's picture and text and you've got to be able not just to understand the words but to you know make the relation you know the words that that you've read to the image that you're seeing in order to understand the process and that's exactly what's happening in graphic novels right so you're doing two things you your your mind is you know being you know, you're cognitively challenged to understand the written word and the printed picture. Whereas if you're just reading a novel or a chapter novel, uh, a chapter book, you're just focusing on the words and the words on the pages. 
Absolutely. And I have heard people argue that graphic novels take away creativity and imagination because it's there in the pictures. But I don't think that's true. I think mm -hmm. um, actually graphic novels offer so much opportunity for creativity. Um, yeah. There's a technical term that's used when talking about graphic novels, which is something called closure. Um, okay. And it's related to... I mean, the technical terminology doesn't really matter, but it's basically related to the idea that, you know, in the graphic novel, the panel is still an incomplete picture. Mm -hmm. We're observing parts, but perceiving the whole story, what happens between the panels, the space called the gutter. You know, we All know right. that yep. something happens. We see something happen in one still picture, one panel, and then something else in the next. And there's, there is a transition, but that transition has to come from the reader. So there is exactly. still massive scope for creativity and imagination. Mm. You don't have the words in text, you know, to, to fill that gap. And that actually reminds me, like what you were saying, it um, reminds me of the picture books that we read with very young children, right? You read the story of the three little pigs, for example, and you go, you know, oh, and his house blew down and, and you show the child the picture, right? I remember showing the pictures to my kids and going oh and how do you think he felt and what do you think happens next because it was you know picture heavy and less text heavy the interpretation the understanding has to come from the reader themselves from from the audience so that's quite a skill um that and our all readers of those questions can be asked with graphic novels as well just at a more sophisticated more age-appropriate level Mm -hmm. um, graphic novels are really just grown-up picture books, you could say. Yeah, yeah. Got me stumped there now for a minute. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you you also have graphic novels for adults, and and we we as as we've been saying, we we really shouldn't, you know, fob them off as um, childish little comics. Um, what other skills do our readers bring in? Um, what other skills do they develop when? we do graphic novels with them? I think they bring in their own world knowledge. In order mm -hmm. to fill in these gaps, they have to have activated their schemata. They have to bring in what they know of the world, what they know of how time works, how mm -hmm. physics works. You know, yeah. think, of, think of, you know, a baseball game and you'll see in one panel you'll see the bat and in the next you'll see the ball soaring and they, they're, they're picturing the action so that you know they're, they're drawing on all kinds of things to do that um, yeah and i think yeah, they're going to bring in their knowledge of emotions their knowledge mm -hmm. of body language facial expressions in order to do that interpretation but it's a virtuous yeah. cycle we can yep. develop, bring those skills and develop them further by exploring them in a very active way using using the text. Mm. I think what, what it comes back to simply is that they're being pushed. They're being pushed to fill in the gaps themselves, wherever the gap may be. You know, those, those similar questions that we ask our young children when we read picture books with them, right? Um, because that's not in the text. You don't have, for example, like you would have in, in a novel. Um, and the ball flew in the air and the crowd cheered and Tom sat there. His eyes were red 
and he was in tears because he knew his team was going to lose. You don't have that in the graphic novel. You have that all just visualized as an image and they have to put in, you know. So what you have in a novel is you have the the, the narration of the events, of the actions, of the situations, plus you have descriptions of all the non-dynamic events like, you know, feelings, opinions, and you don't have that in the graphic novel. So you fill in the blanks yourself. So you're pushed, the learner's pushed to fill in the blanks. And then in the language classroom, because they're pushed to fill in the blanks themselves in their head, then, you know, they're also encouraged to talk about it in the new language that they're learning. Mm. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Um, 21st century skills is a very broad topic, that's for sure, um, because there are a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Let's take citizenship, for example. Um, There's a plethora of beautiful graphic novels out there focusing on displaced people, refugees. Any single Mm -hmm. one of those is going to be brilliant for raising awareness of um, the issues going on out there in the world, for bringing these to the forefront, for building empathy for those people, and as a gateway through to discussing, you know, how this kind of world crisis is being reacted to in different contexts and cultures. Um, So I think any 21st century skill you want to look at, there's probably a graphic novel out there that has that theme. I mean, we've already seen there's graphic novels, you know, to lots of themes in history. I um, I know also there's graphic novels that um, deal with philosophical topics, famous people, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want biographies, there's some brilliant ones out there. Um, but also, you know, adaptations of famous books. For instance, The Killer Mockingbird, which I had to study for my English literature GCSE, Um, and Mm -hmm. loved but there's actually a graphic novel version of it and I I think it's so much more powerful with the visuals it's you know I mean I love the original but when you see the visuals when you see 
the color and the race yeah. and you see and it, it's it's a very well done graphic novel um mm -hmm. you know it, it adds a layer of of impact that wasn't there in the original it draws you in it actually draws it draws our our readers into the novel i mean when i see my own children and how you know they just you know absorb they just take in everything that they're reading with the graphic novels you get the sense that they're in there you know they they're they're with it they, they it's don't an immersive world yeah and and i think coming back to to the language learner it's it's also where it's just that sense of of accomplishment i remember when i was um, learning German in the early stages and everybody's all like, well, you've got to read and, and you know, reading's the best way to develop your language skills. But but I read something and like two pages later, I'm like, oh, this is so, you know, it's it's cognitively tiring. Whereas you don't have that with a graphic novel, you're in it. I mean, I think there is, you still have to be careful not to overface the learner, of course. Yeah. But... No, I agree. I mean, when I look back, you mentioned learning German, and I also learned German, um, although how much I've retained nowadays would be an interesting question. <laughs> um, but I remember that I managed much better reading the scripts. So, mm -hmm. you know, for A-level, we had three things to do. We had um, the Florena, Eve, and Katrina, something or other, the, you know, the one that's all about media. Um, yeah. And the great but i really struggled with it but we also had a play to do uh, which was be the man uh you know and the arsonist okay. and i remember that yeah. vividly i found that so much easier and i think mm -hmm. it's because it's the dialogue and of course graphic novels are very dialogue heavy not they completely are, yeah. but i think it's a, it's perhaps a more natural language model in that sense, mm -hmm. yeah, um, it's very easy yep. to take from it and use it in in oral production, whereas you know a novel perhaps there's less that you can take and use in the same way. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the dialogue because it it reminds me of when we do in um, the language class when we do a listening activity, right? We do a listening activity and in uh, in, in some levels or in yeah, you 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 then read the tape script with the learners, and they follow it. They they just follow it better because it's the dialogue. You know, they just focus on on what's being said. They focus on the conversation. Um, we're almost coming to the end of our time. Um, I'd like to ask you now, um, what advice would you give to teachers who you know would like? to work with graphic novels in their language arts classroom? With I think nine minutes of advice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the first piece of advice has to be just try it, experiment with it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, they fundamentally, we have most of the skills already. If you're working with, you know, graded readers, if you're working with authentic novels already, most of those skills are transferable. Most of the things you do with types of tech, you can do with graphic novels. And if you just start there, 
then mm-hmm. you're still you're you're giving the learners experience with graphic novels. You're giving yourself experience with graphic novels, and you can gradually then try more things that are graphic novel specific. So it doesn't. Yep. It's not a complete change to your classroom practice. And I, I hope teachers do feel empowered just to sub in a graphic novel for you know a, a normal text that they perhaps would have otherwise used. Um, mm. But once you get used to them, there's so much you can do. I mean, their affordances for drama are something that I love. I mean, I have a drama background. Um, before becoming yep. a teacher, I used to work in theatre. I was a stage manager. So Ooh. anytime, I, yeah, I have a whole yeah. weird history. Um, so anytime <laughs> I can combine drama with what I'm doing in the English classroom, I'm in heaven. And graphic novels are fantastic for that because they lift off the page into mm. role play, into extended drama, into activities like hot seating. So easily. I'd say they'd, they'd be easier to adapt into a play. Mm. You know, definitely, because what you've got, coming back to that with the tape script, what you've got is actually more the dialogue, right? And you don't have to, like in a novel, you'd have to pick out the dialogue um, from all the other descriptions on the page. Um, my first piece of advice, though I think we should go back to the beginning really, is that um, graphic novels are not comics and graphic novels um, are not anything taboo or negative, really, because you still have that, you know, that group of people, that group of teachers who go, oh, no, 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 we wouldn't read graphic novels in our classroom. No, that's not for the classroom. That's not for school. Right. That that would be also my first piece of advice. Maybe a way in for teachers who have that kind of nervousness, maybe because they think parents or school administrators won't be very comfortable with just using a graphic novel, maybe Mm -hmm. trying a combination of using the same text in graphic novel and original format and doing a compare contrast exercise. So giving, you know, a particular chapter from the from the chapter book version and you know the, the the set of pages from the graphic novel and comparing the two could be a really that's interesting way in mm. yeah that's a really really that's a really really good idea um a piece of advice for teachers who okay so they've they've decided yeah we're going to try that um how would one go about you know what what are some criteria that are things that teachers should look out for um when deciding on a graphic novel project reading project in their classroom we talked about age appropriacy we did that i think length i think length you know one of the reasons we want to use graphic novels as you said earlier is to build confidence so we don't want to start off by being off-putting and there are some graphic novels out there that are pretty chunky so i would look at something that is a bit shorter um there are graphic novel short story collections. They could also mm-hmm. be a you know a great option. Um, I think depending on the age of the class, you're going to look for a certain visual style. Ah, the younger okay. the class, the more simple the visual style you're probably going to want to use. Um, so you know, I would probably with a primary class, I would be very unlikely to choose a black and white graphic novel for example um okay, there's some beautiful i would have thought about yeah i think we want them to be visually appealing we want them to be stimulating there are some beautiful 
black and white graphic, but I probably would mm -hmm. them too young or as the first graphic novel I introduced to a group. Um, I think look okay. to exploit any familiarity they have. So, you know, if there are graphic novels with characters that they're familiar with, so, you know, mm -hmm. yes, fine, a superhero universe maybe, but also, mm -hmm. you know, there are graphic novels that are tie-ins to popular TV shows um, or films outside yeah. of super, the superhero universe. I think that can be a great way of making them more accessible and more immediately appealing to a class as well. That's really interesting. That's Those are some very good points, Laura. I wouldn't have thought about that. I mean, that with the exploiting familiarity, yeah, um, um, that, that makes sense to me, but I would never have thought <coughs> about length and visual style. Um, that's that's really, really interesting. And um, then you talked about, yeah, with the visual visually appealing with, with to, you know, for the pr primary classroom to not go for the black and white. Um, any other advice, um, activities? What can a teacher who's doing this for the first time, so, so if they've got something of suitable length, they've got for their primary classroom, as an example, for the primary classroom, they've got something that is familiar to their learners, um, it's nice and colorful, what can they do? Short of going in and saying, here, let's read this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I said, we have these techniques already. You know, teachers know how to present a text. You, you know, you generate interest, you activate schemata, you ask them to predict. So exploit the front covers, exploit a blurb on the back. And then with graphic novels as well, you have panels. So take out some panels that maybe the first time we see a character, show them the image of the character, get them to predict who they are, what they're like, because unlike in a novel, they have mm -hmm. that image to make assumptions from, you know, how are they dressed? Where are they? How old are they? You know, there, there's so, so much rich predictions. And the most powerful things you can do when you start to introduce a graphic novel to, to get your learners hooked, to get them to want to read it. So really very much like, um, yeah, very much like um, general reading in a general reading task, same thing. So it's not actually um, any new skill that a teacher has to learn, you know, um, as regards introducing graphic novels into the classroom. Um, your favorite activity um, with graphic novels? Oof. It's a really simple one, but it's simple mm -hmm. and effective. And that's taking a, a panel yeah. and you know, you photocopy it, you scan it, whatever, and deleting mm -hmm. the text from the speech bubbles or the thought bubbles. Okay. And getting my learners to create the text. Mm -hmm. Because it uses so much of the skills of inference and visual literacy. And that's not something you can do with a regular novel. It is okay. something that you can only do with a graphic novel. Um, and it's fabulous because there's a lot of language richness to it because they're mm -hmm. not going to come up with what was exactly in the original. But they're mm -hmm. probably going to come up with something that means the same. So it gives you lots of scope to explore different ways of saying the same thing, which from a, a, you know, a language point of view is a lot of fun and, and very useful. Yep. And from the critical thinking, perspective also is what um, some of our listeners had shared in, in the text chat, um, you know, that it in, encourages them to talk, 
you know, to share their experiences. It inspires creativity. Um, their imagination is put to work. Um, so that there's a lot, there's a lot of ways, as we've seen, um, our dear audience, there's a lot of ways in which the you can use graphic novels in your classrooms. And as Laura has shared with us, and as we've been talking as we come to the end of our episode today that uh, a graphic novel isn't all taboo. A graphic novel is not a comic. Um, and a graphic novel is storytelling, a storytelling format in another way. And our readers bring in a lot of skills with them to work with graphic novels. And we have come to the end of our show. Thank you, Laura, for being with us. And thank you, everyone else, for listening in. It has thank been a you pleasure, for the Laura. Invitation. Oh, no, no, thank you. I just hope that some of the listeners feel a little bit more confident to give graphic novels a go. And, you know, I can go back to that parent-teacher meeting and say, you know, I know about, you know, graphic novels, they're, they're a lot more cognitively challenging than we make them out to be. Okay, that's it, everyone. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.